Why taxation is evil. God's power rests on his act of creation. God's rights as the creator stems from the rights of ownership. The author has the inalienable right to own and control and dispense what he or she has created. This right cannot be disputed without destroying the basis of all rights. We are made in the image of God. We inherit these same rights of ownership that pertain to God. If we were not made in God's image, what was said about ownership and our rights would not change. All rights flow from the creative act and our ownership of its product. If you create nothing you have no rights. You certainly do not have rights over what you did not create. This may appear to be an odd conclusion in some people's minds, but if you did not create anything, what you are is a parasite. The existence of a parasite relies on being able to take from another life what rightfully belongs to the author. A parasite is able to rationalize why their existence takes priority over the natural rights of authors, but if the author has no right to what he or she creates, there is even fewer obligations to provide the parasite with what it requires. If you remove the fundamental right of ownership from others and from God, you are left defenseless with no moral basis for calling anything you have your own. This is an unresolvable dilemma for the left. When saying the denial of ownership rights creates an unresolvable dilemma for liberals, we mean it is resolvable only in one way, through expropriation and parasitism. If one does not produce sufficient value to survive parasitism based on deceit or trickery is the only recourse. Once we understand this dynamic, we understand everything there is to understand about liberals and liberalism. Liberals reject the right of owners, but what remains is the law of the jungle. The tyranny principle claims that might makes right, and the end justify the means. Once a jurisdiction rejects the rights of owners to what they create the only option left open is tyranny and jungle law. Freedom always means to one degree or another, reverting to the law of the jungle and the doctrines of tyranny. You may claim the creator has no right to what he or she created, but that gives you no rights to it either. The creator is not going to give up his rights without being forced to. The creator always has possession of what he or she creates. To lose this he or she has to be overwhelmed by a superior force. To reject the rights of the creator to what he or she creates is to be left with no other option, than to rely on armed might to determine the allocation of resources. Everything in existence was created by sentient beings. Creation is a creative and conscious act. There are two realms or two forms of existence. One reality is the physical world and there is civilization. Nature is the natural world created by God. The natural world is composed of assets or things of value. Assets have value for man, but man did not create them. However, assets have value because mankind can modify and process these assets and add value to them to make them contribute to civilization. All of nature is owned by the Creator and not by humans because man did not create nature and has no claim on it. To be more precise, all creation is logical, analytical, and conceptual. Reality consists of information that when transmitted from one sentient being to another produces knowledge. This is important to understand because it means that reality is information. All information is created, 
and all creation is composed by a single sentient creator. Therefore information is owned in no one, but the owner and creator can claim possession of what has been created. Ownership is absolute, there are no qualifications attached to the condition of authorship. Liberalism is possible only if social ownership is possible. If ownership cannot be communal, if ownership cannot be vested in a community, then liberalism is founded on nothing but tyranny. If the state does not have a valid claim on the products of authors, then liberalism lacks validity and sustainability. If the concept of social or common ownership lacks viability, the state is nothing more than a brigand exercising overwhelming power against a subject population. The legitimacy of the state, under liberalism, gains legitimacy by its power to imprison dissenters and nothing else. There are only two possible reasons for taxation to exist. The one reason, discussed above, is that ownership is inherently communal. The other possible justifier is that there are things which require communal ownership if they are to exist. The claim that ownership is inherently public is valid only if one is an atheist and rejects the claim that God is the creator. But even atheists must admit no human created any part of nature. The world exists as unclaimed territory in the minds of atheists. The only way to deal with competing claims to the world's geography is through force of arms. We might claim discovery of a region gives the finder prior rights, but without the ability to defend the claim, the claim can be and will be contested. If the claim can be contested it is worthless, without the physical force needed to defend it. But does landing on a single point on the globe give the captain of the ship that makes the landing the right to claim what he sees for himself or for his sovereign? Can he claim everything between where he stands and the far shore? Just how much land can an explorer claim when a new land is discovered? Until we establish the basis of a state's claim to its borders, what right has a government to assign part of this territory to private interests? If the state cannot legitimize its claim to its territory, how can it legitimize a person's or corporation's title? If the state has no right to its portion of the planet, then private ownership is also called into question. The claims by private interests only make sense within the context of a fictitious claim by the state to the territory under its authority. The state makes a claim to a national jurisdiction and to the wealth within its borders and from this, its subjects make claims to plots within the larger jurisdiction. In short, individual subjects claim the state gives them a right to part of what is held in common. Without the fictitious claim by the state to the geography of the jurisdiction it holds by virtue of its military, the subject's individual claim would be meaningless. In fact, the individual right to own property and the common claim on the public property of the state rely heavily on the government's ability to defend individual and collective challenges to the state's regulatory authority from external threats. One is either a subject of the state, subject to its jurisdictional authority and assignment of titles, or an external threat to the state's regulatory role. The question is then, do we as individuals subscribe to a rights theory based on the law of the jungle or a theory of rights based on the ownership rights of the creator to what he or she created? However, this being said, we must question if there is an alternative to public ownership? Must we accept collective claims to resources as a pragmatic necessity? 
Communities need roads, hospitals, schools, and other public works. How will they be built and operated without public funds founded on the principles of communal ownership? Without a strong, regulatory state, how can we ensure that money will be made available to build public works? Without the state and the implicit idea that the nation exists as the public property of the nation, how will the public lands be regulated so all citizens get a fair share of their use? If we own only what we create then justice requires us to relinquish all our claims to the natural world and reject everyone else's claims to the world's physical assets. But we need to demonstrate that there is an alternative to public ownership. We can demonstrate public ownership is not justified, but if there is no alternative, we have to put up with it. We all know the state does not produce anything. The state takes wealth from one place or set of persons and allocates these resources to a commercial entity in order to have them build or provide something the community needs. The market already builds what the government requests it to build. The market can build and provide what the market needs without regulatory approval by the state. There is no need for a broker or middleman if the market is permitted direct access to its different elements. If a road or school or other social good is needed it is provided by the sector designed to produce the type of goods and services. The market is not a unform or homogenous structure, it is granular. Certain functions are more tightly connected than others. The functions of the market can be grouped into 12 different sectors. The market is represented by a general council representing the 12 sectors. Individual sectors are represented by limited councils. The construction sector contains all activities relating to construction. When a school or road or other infrastructure is built this is built by the construction sector. This project creates value for the market. This market value is represented by preferred shares. Preferred shares monetize equity. So, if a project generates 500,000 units of value the construction sector earns 500 units of preferred shares. 500,000 prefers are deposited in the account of the construction sector to pay for the work done. Prefers are a contraction of preferred shares and serve as a unit of account for the market. The general councils acts as the account holder for the market. All commercial property is assigned to the general council in a debt for credit swap. The general council liquidates the investor's assets by depositing prefers in the investor's account equal to the value of the investment provided. The market takes possession of all commercial property. These assets are organized according to the 12 commercial sectors each represented by a limited council. To produce social goods is a matter of one sector performing the task needed and the general council depositing in the account of that sector the number of prefers required to pay the costs of the service performed. Despite this being a truncated overview of the process, the information provided is sufficient to demonstrate taxation is not required. Social goods and all other goods and services can be provided free and clear of taxation. There is no justification for the state to expropriate wealth from the private sector. There is no reason for public ownership of national or state resources. Because there is no right or need for the state's expropriation of our wealth, the expropriation that is referred to as taxation is declared an unmitigated evil.